From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. So today, the doors of the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions this morning, from dogs to cats and everything in between. And by the way, phone lines tend to fill up quickly during our pet shows, so don't hesitate to call or email with your question for Dr. Major. Also, if you had any general wildlife experiences that you'd like to share, you can call in as well. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. So the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions this morning from dogs to cats, everything in between. We're ready to take your questions. Sometimes phone lines fill up quickly. So if you have a question, it might be a good idea to go ahead and call early on in the hour. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Always remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. Good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing fine. Good morning. Um, the uh, severe weather, I, 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 maybe not just in central Mississippi, but a lot of Mississippi uh, dealt with severe le- weather last night. And I uh, hope that all of us, the, all of you who are listening are, are safe and sound. And, um, you know, I think um, every time we, we encounter severe weather, it's always important to Kind of remember about our pets, certainly if, if you have a dog or something and uh, he's out in the backyard, uh, you would want to bring him in, maybe into a garage or somewhere safe uh, during the severe weather. Uh, I was chatting with Dr. Major last uh, last night. What I did was I put my cat uh, in the cat carrier because I just wanted to make sure that uh, if the weather came near my house, you know, I wasn't worried about where the cat was. And I imagined he would have been very nervous and upset. And you know how cats are when they get like that. So he would have possibly dashed off to a part of the house where I didn't know where he was. He certainly was not very happy being in the cat carrier, but I managed to throw a couple of cat treats in there, and that seemed to placate him uh, for the little while that he had to be in it. But he certainly was uh, glad to get out. Cat treats are a wonderful thing, (laughs) (laughs) especially especially if uh, the cat's addicted to them. So that's that's great. He certainly – he – he knows the sound of the bag being shaken, and he runs to the spot where I usually give them. So, yeah, he, he certainly likes them, uh, and so uh, the, I do that. You sometimes can lure him somewhere where he doesn't particularly want to go uh, and I always like to treat him after we get back from the vet or I put the flea medicine on. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of them for sure. And, he, and like I said, the, I found a brand that he tends to like all flavors of, so that's that's good. And they're not too expensive. So it's a good way to treat your your cat, and I'm and I know dogs uh, are equally fond of of treats. So uh, used sparingly, I think that's a good thing uh, that you can get help uh, to get your pets to do what you need them to do. A lot of times they start demanding it, though. You know, it's like when I come home, my cats are sitting uh, 
they jump on the bed and in the bedroom and sit there waiting until I give them some treats. They know, and they've trained me well. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's uh, and I I use that one. It's got a little catnip in it, and they they would die for it, I believe. <laughs> but anyway, it's a good thing. Uh, here is an early email we have, and it comes from DJ who says, um, I want to ask more about flea control for cats using a couple of popular topicals, Spinetorem, S-P-I-N-E-T-O-R-A-M, or Flipranil, F-I-P-R-A-N-I-L. Do you recommend one over the other, and what are the pros and cons of each worth considering the cost difference? Good question, and I'm, I don't know that I can uh, address the cost difference other than the fact that, uh, first of all, Always be careful when you're using flea control products not to use the dog uh, flea control products on the cats. Uh, it's important to do that and to abide or read the labeling on all of these flea control products and uh, abide by that as well. Cats are a little bit particular. Uh, they uh, resent a lot of times having a uh, compound or solution put on them, which both of these would be related to uh, putting something on their skin mm-hmm. to be uh, flea control. I, to tell you that I prefer one over the other, I think they both work. Uh, Revolution has been one that's been used for years in cats, and is uh, I feel like it's extremely safe. So uh, there, there are newer, newer brands and this sort of thing, but as long as it's working, I would continue to use what what you have, and uh, but always read the label, abide by that, and again, don't put the dog flea control, or try to use that on cats. Uh, you're right about the the topical though. I've I've learned that uh, when I put it on my cat, I I cut the top off the little tube first, and I get it ready. <laughs> then I get the cat, and then I'm very careful about you know once you kind of press it to their skin, you better squeeze that out of there quickly because right. you've only got a split second before he's not going to like it too much. And of course, cats groom uh, very efficiently, but it's wise to put the uh, solution where they can't lick it Mm -hmm. a lot of times they will lick the skin off not the skin off the hair off where you uh, placed it if they can reach it Uh, but uh, in most cases it causes no irritation but yes usually the cat's going to run off once you put it on there and take off for a little while and be mad at you for a little while. Yeah. But you're right. That's the other thing I've really worked on is to use kind of the back of his neck between his shoulder blades there. But right. It, At the base of the, base of the skull, really, is about the best place, you know, on the neck where he can't lick. Now, some cats can, can lick in a lot of places you might not think they could. <laughs> but uh, I would say that that would be the best thing to do. This is Creature Comforts, and it's an all-pet day, so if you have a question about your pet, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. And I thought of something might be kind of fun. You know, sometimes our pets do some crazy behaviors or weird things, and you think to yourself, is my cat the only one that does this, or is my dog the only one that does this? So if you have some strange behavior in your pet, and you want to maybe sample some of the other pet owners that are listening this morning, uh, give us a call, and we'll see if we can't get a poll going. Because I think I know uh, if, your cat, uh, if your pet does something and, and you know other dogs or cats do the same thing, you might not feel uh, so strange about it. But uh, And I'll throw one out, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but my cat is the sloppiest eater I think I've ever seen <laughs> to where invariably when I put food in his bowl, he eats some, but he's there's going to be four or five, six pieces of 
of food that end up on the floor around his bowl. So I don't know if, uh, what that is, but uh, maybe he's just so eager to get to the food, he's he just isn't being very careful about it. So That's probably an individual thing. Uh, some cats are very picky about how they eat, but I would say that, yes, he's... You know he's he's a boy, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he, he may be a little bit, uh, I guess, sloppy is a good word. But most of the time, they will even pick those those grains up, especially if uh, if they have run out of food in the bowl. <laughs> well, I, and I, that's the other thing I do is that uh, yeah, I'll do it and chunk them in there uh, right. before he gets uh, he gets uh, some more fresh food. Although, and again, the other thing I've mentioned too is he he's very picky about he likes fresh food. So even if it's food that I of uh, take the bowl and dump back in the bag and put back in the bowl. He, that seems to convince him, but uh, he he likes getting that fresh scoop of food uh, when he is hungry. And Absolutely. I've also yeah. learned that uh, for the most part, his habit of knocking things off of counters and shelves and things, uh, I've really begun to understand that's I, when he is hungry and he's he knows that I am not paying attention to him and he he needs that attention right away because he we need to walk down to the kitchen and fill up his pet bowl. So. Um, <clears throat> Right. The cats, a lot of times, they want attention when they want it, not necessarily when you want it. Uh, you can be on the computer or you can be reading and this sort of thing. The cat's ready for something, and they will come and interfere with what you're doing just to get a message across. But eh, they're cats, and they may change their personality uh, on a weekly basis as well sometimes. So you, you wonder sometimes when you're dealing with your cat if that's the same cat that I saw several days ago. <laughs> and you're right. They, you know, they love to come up when you're working on something uh, at a computer desk, or maybe I've heard of people sewing and that sort of thing, and sort of plop themselves right down in the middle. But then, you know, they're so. You know, one thing I like about a cat is there's just soft fur, and they're and they're good to pet. And so, you know, uh, if you you love your pet, and so you can't be mad at them for very long. So eventually, you you know, agree to let them do what they need to do. And as you mentioned, Doctor Major, they train us more than we train them. But uh, that's I think part of the fun about owning a cat or a dog or any other kind of pet. Again, we're looking for your uh, pet questions this morning. We've got some coming in that we'll get to here in just a minute, but we do have some open phone lines, so give us a call. If you have a question today, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We mentioned a little bit about uh, flea control, and you've told us before on the show that because of the climate here in Mississippi, it's really something that you've got to con- be concerned about year-round. What are some other things, medicines and things, that uh, pet owners need to remember uh, to regularly make sure that their, their dog or their cat is uh, is prepared for, like heartworms, I think, comes to mind? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of things that uh, we can do as far as prevention and maintenance of our uh, pet to keep them in good health. Flea control, of course, is very paramount right now because of the, s- the season of the year. One thing that happens a lot of times is that the fleas build up and you have eggs in the environment. You have uh, fleas before you realize that you have a problem. We really recommend here in the South to keep them on flea control year-round. I think it's wise to do that. Uh, Heartworm disease is very important. Uh, Prevention of that uh, is, uh, I won't say mandatory, but it should be. there are different types of heartworm preventive. There are monthly preventives. Uh, there is a, a six-month shot that works quite well as well. And uh, these are all designed to prevent the maturation of the microfilaria, which mosquito carries from dog to dog. And uh, 
it actually deposits the immature heartworm or microfilaria, and it takes about six months uh, for the life cycle to complete. But you really need to be very diligent with your heartworm control. And we recommend if you're doing the monthly heartworm preventive to do it, try to do it exactly the same day or or at least very close to the same day each month. Okay. Got some calls on the line. Let's uh, start with uh, Charles, who's called in from Jackson this morning. Good morning, Charles. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. I have a report about a very unusual cat that I had for several years who loved to go riding in the car. And from what I can gather from friends of mine, they had never heard of a cat that liked to go in the car. But Meshack did. At the time, I had eight Prince Albert sheepdogs. And when I got Meshack, he was probably, well, I don't know how old he was, but a vet gave him, gave him to me. And he had been neutered at the time as early, as the vet said, as early as physiologically possible. And uh, Meshach loved the car. In fact, he loved it whether it was moving or not, but especially when it was moving. If I was getting ready to go somewhere, and he could tell even before I headed for the car, he would dash for the car and either wait for me to open the door or perhaps get in if the door was already ajar. And he loved to go fast, he loved to go slow, and he hated it when he didn't get to go. And there'd be times when I just couldn't have him along because I was afraid that he might jump out the window. Uh, if I stopped somewhere, I'd jump out the door. And uh, I, if I'd, I would take him out as we were getting ready to go and go put him on the porch, he never did go, he never did try to catch the car, but he would it was obvious he was furious. He would stalk around stiff-legged for a while <laughs> and then glower at, at, at me and the, maybe some of the dogs that happened to be in the car. So Meshach was very unusual. He went on long trips. I was living in Wisconsin at the time, but uh, had relatives here in Mississippi. And he, that's about 1,100 miles. Uh, and he would, he would go along on the trip, never never wanting to be left out when it came to the car. I think the dogs taught him that because he was so young when I got him, and uh, I would feed the dogs all together because I couldn't put out eight separate separate dishes for the dogs, and Meshach would want to go eat with the dogs. So I started feeding him before I fed the dogs and leaving them in the house, but then when he would get out, he would go check the dog's big, big uh, trough for any leftover food. But I, I just really didn't think that was good for him. Uh, he, although he never threw up, never seemed to be sick at all. Anyway, Meshach was a, a wonder cat, and uh, there should be more of him. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Charles. We, we appreciate story. that. Yeah. Uh, quite the opposite of a lot of cats uh, who have to go to the vet or take a trip, uh, certainly a lot of them are not very uh, happy about being in a car. So that's a good. Thanks for sharing that. He was an unusual cat. Well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, our friend Kathleen from Osaka is on the line. Kathleen, we'll get to your call right after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Looking for questions about your pets this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. We'll be back with more after this. 
Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield's out this week. I think she'll be back with us next Thursday. So today it's all pet day. We're looking for your pet questions this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. In addition, uh, if you think your pet has some odd behavior and you'd like to check with other pet owners to see if their dog or cat might be doing the same thing, uh, give us a call and we'll throw it open to all the listeners to see how unusual that behavior actually might be. Uh, let's back to the phone lines we go. Kathleen's called in from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Oh, good rainy morning, guys. Uh, i got a couple quick things for you. One, remember the lady with the vultures that was standing or getting on a pickup truck? Right. One person had commented that it wouldn't set off the alarm because they weren't heavy enough. But my friend Linda and I discuss your show every day, and uh, if you have a key open, when you open your door with a pad from far away, you could do that, click it on and off. And that might keep the buzzards off. Good thought. Yes. Uh huh. And then I got a little tip and a, a quick saying: um, when you have a cat that does not want to get into the cage, I set a cat carrier where that cat usually sleeps. Leave it open. Put a towel out near where that cat lays. Wait till the cat's sleeping. Roll up that cat like a taco and shove it in the box before it wakes up. It's a strategic military mission, but it works. And, uh, I'll say goodbye because I want to hear everybody's the ideas about the cats and dogs. I love that. But when I was coming up the stairs several years ago, I used to tell my cat, all right, come on, all right. One day I said, okay, all right. And the cat looked at me and said, all right. <laughs> and I almost fell down the stairs. And I called my girlfriend. She goes, are you taking a little bit of what Dave Letterman calls the beverage? I said, no, it's the cat. Next time she came, I made her stay at the bottom of the stairs. I called the cat, and I said, all right. And he, she said, all right again. And Linda, my friend, says, I would have never believed it. I said, okay. And she says that every evening before we go to bed, I tell her, okay, all right, and all right, all right, right, all the way up the stairs. <laughs> Very good. All right. It makes you smile. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you, guys. Good to Bye. hear from you. Um, I would say that the, the method of rolling the cat up in the towel and, and putting him in the carrier before he wakes up, you, you, that would have to be military precision because you're not going to have a whole lot of time. Uh, I know my cat uh, very frequently uh, is, you know, obviously naps a lot like most cats do. But I think, and then Dr. Major, I think that's part of it. They're napping, but they're, they're very quick. They're aware because, you know, they don't want to be caught in a vulnerable situation. Yeah, Kathleen's quick, I'm sure, to get the cat wrapped up. But, you know, it, it is uh, certainly that if that works for her. However, uh, I would say that some cats do the cat nap with their eyes open. You know, they mm-hmm. don't, they, you're not going to pull anything over on some of them. But uh, it's worked on that cat, and it's good. One thing that helps sometimes when you're putting a cat in a carrier, and this is a problem, uh, and, of course, I see cats come in all the time. They're too big for their carrier. And you almost have to uh, take some Vaseline or something like that and get them out. But uh, basically, if you stand that, sometimes if you stand the carrier on its end and put the cat in backwards, sometimes that works well uh, for for some of the cats. You have to understand the cat and remember <clears throat> that cats know what you're thinking usually a little bit ahead of time. 
if you put that carrier out in the night or in the morning before you're ready to take them to the vet or to the groomer or wherever, they know that. And a lot of times you can't find the cat. They, they, <laughs> they can hide. You're right. It's an amazing way. Uh, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about the, the topical flea medication. I, I don't know how he knows that because he won't even be in the same room, but he, he, he can sense that that's, that's what happening, what, what's happening, and he'll, you know, dash under the couch or under the bed or something. So, yeah, we, you know, cats are, are certainly smart, and I think, again, that's one of the reasons why we love them so much is, you know, they, they, they can outfox us sometimes, and sometimes you have to just tip your cat, the hat to your cat and say, all right, you won this one, but I'll get you next time. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, litter box use. I know I'm lucky in that my cat has not had an issue with that. Is this a natural thing to where if, if you kind of let them know, Hey, here's this area that's done up for you and it's, it's, you know, soft stuff that they like to, to dig in. Is it, is it sort of instinctual that cats will go there or what would be some tips for new cat owners to make sure that they, they go to the litter box? Well, you know, this is one of the pluses for owning a cat and, uh, certainly can be a negative if they aren't using it. But most cats uh, do understand that, hey, this is where I need to go. And uh, I would say that initially, uh, a lot of times it's good to, uh, let's say you have adopted a cat or have a new kitten, it's good to keep them in a fairly restricted area for a while with a litter box so they know, hey, this is where I need to go, go to the bathroom, so to speak. Uh, Choosing the correct litter is almost like cat and dog foods now there's so many different kinds of litter uh and cats are pretty picky about their litter and you find one that you they like and then they take it off the market and you've got (laughs) problems but uh cats do like uh, a good litter and usually a fairly fine litter uh seems to be the attraction and uh some cats would rather uh be using the facilities and dirt you know rather Mm -hmm. than uh cat litter but I always say that if you have a problem, you need to remember that you need one litter box per cat and uh, plus one, especially if you have a large number of cats. So that gets to be a real problem, but it does cut down on accidents and uh, makes it better for the cat. All right. Very good. Uh, And uh, I don't want to be cat centric here. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about house training your dog here in just a minute, but we do have some calls on the line. So let's say good morning to Roger calling in from Jackson. Go ahead, Roger. You're on the air. Well, good morning. Uh, This is not a cat question, but I wonder (laughs) about cats having cataracts. I know dogs do because my old 16-year-old chocolate lab has something in his right eye. And he's beginning to bump into things, and, and it, of course, he's unsteady and has arthritis and all that. But I, it just breaks my heart to see him like that. And everything that I've uh, found out just asking around suggests that there's just not much you can do about about cataracts or that it's very expensive and dangerous for an old dog and all that. Would you comment on the cataract? I think it's cat. It's cloudy. Yeah, very cloudy. Right, uh, cloudiness in his right eye, and I'm I'm gonna okay. Well, I, I can't hang up because I'm <laughs> okay. Listen on my phone. Okay, I appreciate your call. Cataracts, especially in in, in dogs, the uh, uh, the lens start to be sclerotic or at least gets hazy a lot of times at eight to ten years of age. Uh, cats somewhat the same. 
uh, there is surgery that can be done for cataracts, uh, and it is usually successful, but it is, as you said, fairly expensive. Uh, most of the dogs, by the time they're the age of your dog, you said 16, I believe, uh, that certainly would be beyond the period of time that uh, uh, surgery would be advisable. Usually if it's uh, uh, something that can be done and you want to have it done, we do have ophthalmologists that come to, to Jackson on a regular basis. Uh, they're veterinarians, and they come to the referral center out off of treetops and certainly can give you an idea as to whether or not it would be feasible uh, to do surgery. Sometimes it's not, but uh, I would say that that would be the best way. And, of course, your vet can tell you that as well. Uh, but it's uh, it's one of those things that certainly is uh, is an issue. JW, my little dog, is 18 now, and uh, I did not have cataract surgery done for him. Uh, he is, at this point, beginning to get where you can't see. Uh, however, he has got a great nose, and he can tell you where pretty much where he is. So uh, most dogs do quite well for a long time, but they may become totally blind. And with a large dog like yours, it can be an issue as they start to bump into things. But good luck to you with your dog. All right, Roger, thanks for that call. <clears throat> Let's. Uh, here's an email uh, that says, we have several older small dogs in the house. Is there, uh, I'm sorry, is there any method or product to stop or prevent the two males from marking inside the house? Wow. And they said older dogs? Yeah. Yeah. You know, very difficult at this point. It gets to be a habit. And that's one thing that uh, I recommend uh, neutering uh, the dogs at a relatively, I think the caller said, physiological appropriate age, mm -hmm. which usually is before they start uh, marking their territory, which would be six months or a little bit less. And that is, in most cases, kind of stops that marking their territory. Uh, two males, though, they, once they get started, it's almost like a competition, and uh, they may mark over each other's urine when they do that. So I don't know of anything at this stage, if they're older dogs, it can be done. I don't think if they aren't neutered, I don't think neutering would help at that age. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we've got some phone calls lining up, and we've got some space for your phone call as well. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. So give us a call with your pet questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also send an email, animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. We've got some phone calls lined up, but uh, just real quickly here before we do, we talked about uh, uh, litter boxes and that sort of thing, and again, I wanted to be fair and talk about dogs as well, and I know uh, my brother uh, has several dogs, and he has found real success with the puppy pads. So if you would remind us what those are and, and, and if you think that's a good way to help house train a dog. You know, <clears throat> the real problem with that is a lot of times you try to do both. In other words, train the dog to go outside 
and then have an emergency backup with the, I call them pee pads, but puppy pads. Uh, and they work quite well for some dogs. Uh, one of the real problems with puppies when you're trying to train them to that is they, they may tear it up, play mm-hmm. with it, and pull it around the house. <laughs> but uh, most people that are trying to do both, or at least as an emergency backup, put it close to the door where they're going out if you have both. You know, it's been so wet off and on here that it's difficult to stick a six-week-old puppy outside necessarily with the rain and everything. But they are useful in some cases, and uh, I I use them for JW. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, he's 18, and he hits them about 50% of the time. <laughs> but that's that's part of it. Just take care of him, and he he still responds to you know good petting, brushing, this sort of thing. So he's he's quite a dog. You know, and I think uh, one thing that we probably should say more often is that you know we give some general guidelines and something like this. Uh, you know, it works for some dogs; it doesn't work for others. So exactly. any kind of thing that we might recommend, if it if it begins to work for your dog. Go for it. Uh, but if not, maybe try something else. And, again, if you're always having an issue, uh, your vet is, is probably the best resource because then they're going to know uh, your yeah. pet's health history right. and behavior and that kind of thing. And, you know, in some of the places I, I have friends, that uh, one friend in Chicago that has a relatively small dog. It's probably 25 pounds, but they've trained this dog. They actually have a uh, – they live in a uh, – I think they're on about the 13th, 14th floor of a uh, apartment complex – and they actually have a tray uh, with dirt and grass, and they keep it uh, plenty, you know, for the dog mm-hmm. there, rather than having to take it down every time. Uh, you can imagine finding a place uh, with with a dog. So a lot of these dogs do train well to different type things, and uh, it it takes some work, and uh, but it can be good. Okay, back to the phone lines we go. We'll start in Mobile. Mikey has called in today. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. What is hurricane grass? <laughs> what is hurricane grass? Yeah, I mean, is he talking about like artificial turf or um, oh, for, oh, for the for, and a platform or what? Oh, I was talking about using a tray with grass. It, I didn't. If I said hurricane, I would maybe I maybe I misspoke, but I don't think I said hurricane. But anyway, just some sort of grass or something, and you can do artificial as well. But you can train the dog to go on that, much like you could train a cat in a litter box. And well, so, that is a good thing to know. I so, mean, whatever you call it, whatever right, kind of grass. Right. But uh, my comment is that um, I uh, I have dogs that allow me to live with them now. Um, okay. uh, and in the past, I've had many cats that allowed me to live with them. And I've had, uh, when I thought about it, not just one cat, but two. Kevin, listen to this. <laughs> they can open doors. Um, one of them was Max, and he was uh, – the folks that had him were going to have to either euthanize him or find a home for him, so we took him in. And Max could open any kind of cabinet, and we were warned. He can open any kind of cabinetry. He will get into your computer stuff. <laughs> And he actually even climbed into the truck to go at and ate the sandwich of um, a guy that came over to do some repairs on the house one day. So I had to buy that guy a burger. <laughs> um, but Sushi was the one who could actually open doorknob doors. Mm-hmm. 
And I, we couldn't believe that it was happening. We kept saying, how does she get in here? You know, it's, um, until one day um, when we had switched things around and I was sleeping in the other bedroom and I woke up and I saw Sushi sitting on the uh, dresser that was right next to where the doorknob is. And I saw her with my own eyes wrap her front paws around it and use her body weight to turn the knob <laughs> and open the door and let herself out. <laughs> Smart cat. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, they, they can learn, and we do see some. It's a little more difficult for them to open a round doorknob than a lever or lever. Uh, my daughter was uh, in China for a year and adopted a cat off the street. She was thinking that it might meet a bad end and uh, it was a kitten and they had the lever type doors in the apartment complex she lived in and the cat got out at least twice uh, and let itself out and of course this was a 50 story uh, (laughs) apartment complex and you can imagine her terror the cat gone and everything but anyway she found the cat somebody took it in and uh, both times but it was kind of amazing the cat went to the same apartment, uh, but actually, I think, two floors down. So that was that was pretty cool. The cat thought it was doing right, but it had actually gone down down a couple of floors. But, yes, they can. You have to be careful. And when that cat comes to visit, I have to put the deadbolt on because we have those type uh, things, and it can let itself out. <laughs> So right, anyway, uh, thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. It, Mikey. And I'll say this, uh, my cat, uh, when my doors don't necessarily close all the way, like closet doors and things, I actually had to get the hook and eye uh, <laughs> latch for one of the doors because he could get that open. And, of course, he, you know, he's in there and then he's he's, he's scratching and, and tearing up the carpet and that kind of thing. So, yeah, cats uh, are really amazing on what they can do uh, and uh, very ingenious. And when they're determined to do something, a lot of times they will keep working at it until they succeed. Let's uh, go next to Bill in Greenwood. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, how y'all doing? Uh, I had this old hound dog a long time ago, and he could predict the weather. We'd be sitting out there with my daddy and my mama, and uh, it would be sun shining, not a cloud in the sky. And all of a sudden, he's just sitting there sleeping. He wakes up. He starts wiggling his tail back and forth a little bit. And I tell them, I said, it's going to rain. They said, oh, no, you're crazy. It ain't going to rain. <laughs> and pretty soon it gets dark. It gets thundering in the background, and his tail starts whipping around in a circle. And then pretty soon we got to go in, but he won't come in. He stays out all the time during the thunderstorm <laughs> until it passes and barks and barks and barks. And we used to have to give him pills to try to knock him out, but it wouldn't do no good. <laughs> and then after he would come in, he'd come in and sleep for doing about the whole of the next day. He'd be so tired. <laughs> Well, he was a good weather weather prognosticator, I guess is what way to put it. But yeah, that's that's unusual, and uh, our pets can do some unusual things. All right, Bill. Thanks for the story. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Stephen, who's called in today. Good morning, Stephen. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, sir. I hope to represent in a good uh, role model. Okay. What uh, do you have for us? Um. The Delta Atomic Clock has been calibrated for the Land Restoration Act, the Land and Wildlife Restoration Act. All right, uh, it's a kind of an all-pet day today, Steve, so appreciate uh, your call. Uh, let's uh, move on. Next, we've got uh, Latasha calling in from Jackson. Good morning, Latasha. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. What do you have for us? 
Well, um, I have a dog that's about 14 years old. Uh, he's a Dachshund Shizu mix. Some people call him a, a Sweeney. But anyway, <laughs> okay. um, for several years, although he is house trained, for several years we've been having him um, just keep him indoors and use pee pads because we ran into like a financial issue where we couldn't afford to keep his booster shots going every year. And we figured if we went inside, that would kind of protect him from catching something. Um, I'm wondering now, at his age, you think it'd be okay, you know, just go ahead and just take him out anyway, regardless of whether or not he's had his shots? I'm not as worried about the shots as I would be about heartworms, you know, mosquitoes mm-hmm. uh, spreading those. But okay. uh, at his age, he's had shots in the past, right? Uh, yeah, 14. No, but I'm just saying he's had he shot had sh- vaccinations over the years. Uh, he should be okay as far as I wouldn't put him around any animals that you knew were sick or anything like that. But you should be able to let him out some, yes. Okay, so like if I got him like heartworm or something, that that'll kind of help and and like. I'd be concerned about him possibly if you kept him outside. Concerned about you know contracting heartworms, so you might want to consider. Uh, if you can, getting him on preventive if he's not. You need to check okay. with your vet about that, okay? Okay. All right. As far as the shots go, I don't necessarily have to. I, I, don't, think, I don't think so, no. All right. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, Latasha. Let's go next to Ronnie in Kosciuszko. Good morning, Ronnie. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, I would like to talk to y'all and tell y'all, thanks for, calling, uh, thanks for taking my call. The guy that talked about the cat, the little cat that liked the ride yeah. in the car, well, uh, one time a dad, he picked up this little gray kitten at the park. He said, well, I'll take it home and give it uh, one more meal because he was so ugly and everything, poor, mistreated. He said, i give it one more meal and uh, maybe it'll live. So it lived and it got strong and it started jumping in the truck when he'd opened the door, opened the door just like a dog would. And so that cat... Uh, I don't know. It must have been uh, parasites or something. But it, we were building a barn at the time, and so my dad came up there to check on us, and I said, uh, where's the cat? I named the cat. I forgot what the cat name was, but uh, he said, I'm sorry. I hate to tell you this, but that cat died. He said, I found it out there uh, on the carport. So the cat was healthy, but it just died. But... It loved to ride. It'd jump in the truck just like our dogs would and get up on the armrest, uh, the neck, you know, the neck rest mm-hmm. behind on the seat. So that guy is not the only one that had a cat that loved to ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we, uh, we appreciate your call. It's an interesting, okay. uh, interesting cat. Thanks, Ronnie. Thank Good you. to hear from you. Uh, let's take one final break this hour. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It is an all-pet day, so we're looking for pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back to wrap up the program after this. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's been an all-pet day, and we're going to wrap up the show with some more pet questions and a couple of pet emails. Let's begin again. Alan is in Columbus. Good morning, Alan. Go ahead, please. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Never been a cat owner, but we have a neutered male, and I'm wondering if neutered males still spray. 
but there's a lot of spray around the outside of the house. He's an outside cat. Okay. Uh, he may not be the culprit, and I don't know what age he was neutered at, uh, but, yes, they can still spray. And uh, okay. it, it may be other males coming around that are doing the spraying. It's possible. Okay. There are some other cats that come up. We can hear them scrapping and right. screaming at each other. And right. Maybe uh, that's what it is. I, I would hope that that's what it is rather than that cat. Okay? Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. for your call, Alan. Uh, next, we've got uh, Craig in Columbus. Good morning, Craig. You're on the air. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? We're doing good. Good. I have a Cocker Spaniel, about 14 years old, and he's developed, uh, I guess, an ear infection in both ears. Very cheesy, cheesy smelling and a little discharge. And I'm trying to see what is the best thing we can do to cure that. How, how long has he had the... Uh... Probably for about two months when I noticed it first to see what could uh, that smell be. I didn't know if it was like him being outside or what, but looked in his ear and he kept shaking his head to uh, kind of clear it out, I guess, when I started really noticing it. Well, you know, certainly our dogs, uh, there's only about two or three things they can do when they have ear problems. They can shake their head, they can scratch, or they'll rub it across the ground or whatever they can find to get some relief. Uh, here's my suggestion to you. Okay. okay. I really need to find out what, what is causing this. Uh, usually a culture and sensitivity would help. Uh, there are some good ear cleaners that you can get from your vet, but probably because this is long standing, it probably needs to have an antibiotic, uh, used as well. Okay. So this is one of those cases where the dog can get pretty miserable. Sometimes the ear canal will even close down, and uh, I would advise, if you could, to get him into your vet and have a culture and sensitivity done so they okay. know what to treat the ear with. Okay. Good luck to you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call, Craig. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. A couple of emails here. This one from Joe in Raleigh says, Is there such a thing as anti-tracking litter? Our cat uses a litter box and tracks litter halfway down the hall. I have to sweep the hallway every time I clean the litter box. We use a clumping litter. Right. And this is a real issue, uh, and some cats are worse than others about this. I could tell you what I'm using, and it doesn't track. Uh, and uh, the thing is, the finer the litter... A real fine, sandy-type litter will track worse than one that's a little bit coarser. So it might be good to investigate that. Uh, I've started using one, I, I don't mind saying what I've used, that actually is uh, has uh, Arm & Hammer, I think, makes it, uh, at, and you can get it at the grocery store. But it, it clumps, but it does not track. So... Uh, it may be one of those that talks about sliding mm-hmm. out of the litter box. I'm not using that particular one, but it's by the same company. So I would try to find one that's a little bit coarser that probably won't track the, that litter. Um, and I would also say I, I saw actually an ad on TV just yesterday uh, for a pad that has a, sort of a, a two layers, and it's got a layer that sort of traps the, the litter beneath it. I've got a couple of pads uh, that help out and uh, 
he he kind of tracks around near the um, near the litter box itself, but the pads do catch a lot of the the stray litter, and it, it's not as much of a problem, you know, elsewhere uh, in in the house. But I think that's yeah. almost an occupational hazard uh, with the litter. But the, yeah, you might maybe uh, go online and see if there's a pad you can put around the litter box, or possibly right. exper- experience or uh, experiment that is with with a different brand. And of course, the, the excuse me, the other thing would be a cat that. It has a lot of fur fur on its feet. It's going to attract more. Say a Persian, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that can be an issue there. Uh, cats that don't have a lot of hair there around their feet, probably not as much of a problem. All right. Kathy's called in today from Tupelo. Kathy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. Um, I have three cats. I've always had good luck with cats, and uh, um, they've lived to be like old. But now I've got two five-year-olds. And uh, a two-year-old, and what I want to say is uh, a lot of the toys I buy, they won't play with, but they'll play like with an empty water bottle, <laughs> throw cons across the floor. So I just throw things down they'll play with. But uh, the one that's two-year-old, his name is Spunky, <laughs> and he growls. I've never heard of a growling cat till, well, it's till I moved in the place that I'm in now. He can hear somebody drive up and uh on the gravel or hear a door slam or hear him come up on the porch, he'll growl and let me know that somebody's out there. Hmm. That's pretty so amazing. kind of funny. <laughs> Spunky's a watch cat. That's good. I like that. Yes, he is. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Good Appreciate you, Kathy. And I think like many cat owners, she found out that, yeah, when you buy your cat an expensive toy, uh, they ignore the toy, but they love the box that it came in. Oh, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's much like a, what? year old kid whatever but, yeah <laughs> uh, one of the best things that they like is take a uh, you know like a box that they can crawl in close it up make a couple of holes where they can hide and jump in and out mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not too much for decor but some people like a one of the ladders that they can put in the you know in the room small ladder not a big ladder maybe four or five rungs but the cats like to climb up and down that and mm-hmm. it's not a bad deal uh, here's an email from Paul who says, <clears throat> Our cat developed a small bump between her right eye and ear that began to weep and eventually scabbed over and healed within a week or so. Several days later, she dealt the, developed the same thing on the left. She never goes outside and has never had any health issues. Any idea what this could have been? Do cats have some sort of scent gland in those areas? Gosh, without seeing it, that's a little bit hard to answer. It's kind of strange that it uh, came up on the other side as well. The fact that it healed make me, makes me think that maybe she has rubbed against something or, you know, caused some damage or injury to that. Uh, if it continues, uh, definitely get the cat in to, to see your veterinarian. Uh, sometimes when you describe something, it's really hard to, to know. There, there are some glands on cat's face. You know, cats mark, mark the territory by rubbing uh, uh, on you <laughs> everywhere else as well. But uh, it'd be a little unusual for those to um, to actually swell up, and and it sounds like the first one had ruptured or at least was open, mm-hmm. and uh, but then it healed. So I'm not sure exactly what to say. Possibly an injury, but again, something that uh, if, if you keep noticing, definitely take that in and, and have your cat uh, or have have your cat look good, have your vet look at it. Yes. Let's uh, close the show with this final email. <clears throat> it says, "I have two indoor outdoor cats who have suffered from fleas." I use topical monthly treatments. 
uh, but the fleas are still present. Is there anything else I can do or retry the monthly, and can I use those more frequently? Okay, did we say that they were indoor-outdoor cats? Yes. I believe. There may be a source of the fleas outdoors. Uh, Most of the flea uh, medication will be effective. Uh, It may take a little while for some of them to kill the fleas. So if you see fleas doing some kind of strange circling dance or whatever, they're probably dying. Uh, They actually, some of them will have convulsions because of the uh, flea medication attacking the flea. you need to talk to and read uh, for the particular flea control. Some of them start to lose effectiveness, say, at about day 25 or something like that, as opposed to being very effective for the entire month. So talk to your vet about that, whether you need to uh, possibly reapply. But probably there's a source of fleas outside if you're consistent with the flea control you're putting on the cats. And so uh, if that's the case, you could possibly get a, a, a pest control company, or I imagine there might be a product you could buy uh, at the pet store that would help uh, outside flea control. That's that's true. A lot of times you have to treat the environment as well as the pet, so be careful with that. Don't overdo it. Okay. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. For Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's uh, MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts heard only on MPB Think Radio.